And now a message from our sponsor. Hey everybody, it's Bootleg Captain, Captain Bootlegs here. Yeah. If you're like me, I bet you're enjoying this Toys, Toys on, on Tap, Tap podcast. Yeah, I am enjoying it, it's very nice. But did you know you can enjoy it more just by joining that Patreon? Oh, I did not know that. There are so many cool perks available on the Patreon for you. There's and also and Wow, that's really a lot of stuff if you ask Bootleg Captain. Captain I don't bootleg. understand. There were noises I couldn't hear with the person. So join today to support Toys on Tap podcast and Bootleg Art Toys. But if you're not in a position to join the Patreon, head on over to Apple iTunes and review and subscribe. That helps out the channel as well. Okay, I'll go rate it, I guess. And remember, listen to Toys, Toys on, on Tap. Captain Bootleg, the bootleg captain sent you. Why does he keep referring to himself in the third Can person? I stop with the stupid voice now? I'm not sure why you made me want to sound like a pirate. Oh, so that was a fake voice. Oh, yucko! I didn't realize it was just pretend voice. Oh, okay. Dude, I'm stoked that you're on. Yeah, thank you. I'm super stoked. I remember uh, seeing one of your toys at one point and just falling in love and waiting for you to produce it. And I hope you haven't yet. Really? Uh, the steak one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Um, ha- hopefully you haven't produced that yet because I don't want to hear that I missed it. Nope. So I'm super That's stoked about that. Good. Yeah. Oh yeah, that steak. That, that <laughs> we're gonna talk about today. I'm looking at it currently, and it's so yeah, good. yeah. That one was uh, an engineering feat. <laughs> uh, okay, so here, how about because I want to start with it so bad. Maybe we'll work backwards. Um, sure. But uh, do you want to introduce yourself before we go into the magnificent toys that you create? Sure. Um, my name is Jason Miller. Um, I'm from middle of bumfuck, Wisconsin. <laughs> um, so I am definitely not from the, uh, you know, the hip hop, punk, all that kind of scene that a, a lot of toy makers are. I'm not a, I don't have tattoos. I don't have cool hats. I'm just kind of a middle of nowhere nerd, but um, I still always liked all that, that kind of shit, Star Wars and toys and, um, yeah, I don't know how far back you want me to go, but <laughs> I mean as far back as you'd like. So let's talk. I mean, you you loved Star Wars and all that. You grew yeah. up in the 80s and 90s. Yep, yep. I was born in 83. Um I mostly started just drawing and making stuff a lot when I was little. Uh, my grandma uh, always sold stuff at like art fairs, like in Madison, Wisconsin. There's usually a big art fair downtown. She was doing that kind of stuff in like the 70s. Uh, 60s and 70s with my dad when he was my age um, just selling like clay pots and weird shit like that so uh, art stuff has kind of always been around me so uh, when I was little it kind of just started with drawing a lot uh, copying comic books Spider-Man mostly 90s Spider-Man but back in the 80s yeah I, I had all the good toys you know Thundercats, Voltron, Star Wars all that shit and, the heyday uh, yes yeah didn't know what most of it was like i mean i watched thundercats and voltron on tv but i had like weird stuff like air raiders i didn't know what the hell it was but i had it yeah you know because we were fairly poor so a lot of the toys i got were from like the toy drives mm-hmm. um during christmas so i would get like whatever was on clearance that year and it was stuff like air raiders and robo force and rock lords and <laughs> All that kind of like the weird shit no one wanted. Yeah. That was the stuff that I grew up having. So 
when I became an adult and wanted to like refine a lot of that stuff, it was really hard because it was the obscure stuff that most people didn't know about. Um, but yeah, so I had a lot of toys as a kid, even though we didn't have a lot of money to buy them. Um, but I kind of never stopped collecting at that point because once it got to 95 and Power of the Force 2 started, like I was all in on that. Like I was so into Star Wars. Like I was aware of it, you know, like I watched Return of the Jedi when it was on TV a lot. Um, yeah. Stuff like that. But when the stuff started coming up again and special editions were announced and shit, like I was, I was insane about it. Um, I was, you know, at that point I became known as the Star Wars kid at school. Like I wasn't shy about being a nerd. Like I had Star Wars shirts and I, I got picked on for that. But yeah. was back when Star Wars wasn't, it wasn't cool to like Star Wars. You got picked on, you get called Chewbacca and shit. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry to laugh at that, but like, no. what a weird name to call a kid that likes uh, Star Wars. Right. Well, it's probably because I had hairy legs or something, but it was like, yeah. well, that meant I hit puberty before you. So whatever. Yeah. Um, but so, I, you know, my, uh, my parents were separated. So like, I'd see my dad on the weekends and he'd usually almost buy me some Star Wars thing when I'd see him. So he kind of facilitated the collecting and I just, you know, all through high school and even college, I was always, so I never had the, like, you know, like a, a lot of people talk about having, like, there was like a purge moment or like a, well, I'm in high school. I got to be cool. And I like yeah. goals and stuff and get rid of everything. Like I didn't have that. <laughs> I had my shit the whole time. I never got, I mean, I occasionally, I like I lost childhood stuff because we moved a lot, but I never stopped like liking and buying toys. Like I, I mean, I remember moments where like, like, like a little before middle school, like a friend telling me like, Hey, you know, when you get into high school, you probably stop liking power rangers. Cause you're going to get picked on. Um, you're like bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I just kind of, yeah, I, I always had toys. And even if they kind of went to the side when I got more into like movie and prop stuff, they were always there. And yeah. I'd occasionally pick up something like like when the 2002 He-Mans came out. I was like, oh, that Skeletor looked really cool. We'll get that. Or when the first Marvel Legends started coming out and Spider-Man Classics, like have a couple of those. So all the way through high school. But I was usually obsessed with whatever movie was coming out at the time, even when I was a kid. You know, it was the new Star Wars. Then it was the, the shitty Godzilla uh, movie and I tried making little stop motion movies with Godzilla's and I almost burned my friend's house down doing that once because we were <laughs> setting uh, little houses on fire and stuff um, or uh, you know when Lord of the Rings hit I was like oh my god um, that was when I really got more into you know, making props and costumes and that kind of stuff which is how I got into doing resin casting but um, yeah kind of just never stopped liking toys <laughs> my favorite part is as a kid you had you said all these like knockoff or like mm -hmm. secondary yeah. brands but what's funny is like those are the brands that you like are so hard to find now and are so valuable and so like yeah. food fighters comes to mind right yeah i think i had one of those i don't remember which one but yeah that food such fighters. an obscure like toy yeah now to find those like packaged or to find those mm -hmm. in the wild that doesn't happen right and the stuff like a lot of the weird food premiums because we hit McDonald's a lot because again, yeah. we're fucking poor. So like <clears throat> Commandrons, they yep. were like these Tommy toys that McDonald's had for a while and like the Wendy's GoBots. 
Yeah. And the McDonald's changeables, like there was my favorite. Um, I just bought a couple of those actually. They yeah. came in the mail. They're super so I, fun. They, well, they're durable as hell. Like those things, you cannot destroy those. Yeah. <laughs> There's they're I mean, they're made for like toddlers and they're they're just they're great. Um yeah, so all that kind of stuff, like I don't know. I just happened to end up getting all the weird, obscure crap, and I wish I still had a lot of it. Yeah. But again, my mom would throw shit away. Like I remember having, I had an ad at once that we found at Goodwill. She threw that away. I had the. Uh, Oof. Yeah, she. I had the uh, Tower of Omens, the mm-hmm. castle lions from Thundercats. Yeah. Threw that out. That's you know worth like a thousand now or whatever. Do you ever yeah. like print these out and show them to her? And you're like, Do you I, I've you? mentioned it. Yeah. Okay. You threw away $30,000 over right. the years. Yeah. yeah. She's just, you know, I didn't know. She sold my <laughs> Super Nintendo a couple yeah. times, like that kind of stuff. But I mean, that's, she was a single mom. She had to get money. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, I talk about that with some artists that like collecting toys and being around toys seems, um, if someone isn't involved in the community from an outside perspective, it seems like it has a childish aspect, but there's so much hurt and nostalgia and like past, like, yeah, uh, like weird things that get involved in toys and like making up for stuff that you wished you had or had and got thrown away. Yeah. Like I, um, one of the toy lines that I, it's obscure and I, I don't, um know why i love it so well i do but um it's the cowboys of moon mesa yeah yeah and i have one photo with a toy in my hand from when i was little and it's one mm-hmm. of those toys right and so my wife is like oh like you just bought the full set like why what what is it about these and i had to like articulate the fact that it's like it, there's nostalgia and 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 i was missing something so i found myself in toys when i was little yeah and that you have the proof that you had it. Yeah, which is crazy. That happened to me as well. Like I found some old photos of my mom's and I started pulling out the ones that were pictures of me with toys. And I was like, oh, there's me with the big Air Raiders Man of War, which is like this giant thing. Yeah. It's this big purple spaceship with like a vacuum on the top that makes a little ball float. It was the weirdest freaking thing. But I had that and I had pictures with that and like uh centurions my dad had a mustache so he bought me max ray who kind of looked like him <laughs> and i have a picture of me opening it up on my birthday it's like max ray and it's all weapon stuff yeah so that was like another weird kind of obscure thing um willow toys like oh, yeah any yeah. anything that i had pictures of me playing with i was like okay i gotta get that i gotta get that i gotta get that yeah you know what's weird um i noticed do you ever okay so I did this last night and I'm going to see if you do it. Do you ever um, like uh, you'll be watching TV or something or something or someone will say it at the name of a cartoon movie or something. And all of a sudden it like jogs your memory and you're like, Oh my gosh, I remember this one Christmas I got. And then insert toy name there. Yep. I, that happened last night for some reason I was watching some star Wars thing and the (laughs) buzz Lightyear on Disney plus like came across Mm -hmm. the top And it was like this flood of memories because I was five when the first one came out. Right. And so it was like, oh, my gosh, that Christmas, I remember getting some of those. Yeah. Yeah. I remember getting my first Power of the Force vehicle. Yeah. I got the land speeder because it was the cheapest thing. 
it was just Luke's land speeder. It was uh, basically okay. the same mold as the old Kenner one. It was just painted different. Yeah. But it had like this little gear shifter. And if you'd shift it, little clear wheels came down on the bottom and it kind of like bounced down. So it looked like it was floating. Oh. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's a really cool feature, actually. Um, but it was basically just a reissue of the Kenner one. And but the box was just so cool. And, it, and, and I specifically remember my grandpa who was like like the no-nonsense like guy who didn't sell spend any of his money on anything he's like oh what are you gonna do with that foolishness yeah he's called it foolishness and it, i was like the fact that i still remember it and like you know i'm like that no it was worth it yeah <laughs> it was foolishness and your comment about light year kind of segues back to the uh, uh one of the most recent things i was working on i was checking out Disney plus looking at toy story stuff. And I, I was just seeing all kinds of stuff that I had missed out on, had seen for whatever reason. And I watched a little short called uh, small fry and it had, a, it was basically about toys that like were like fast food premiums and got lost in a storage room. And they were having like an AA meeting about being <laughs> lost. Yeah. And one of them was this guy named T-bone who looked like a changeable. He was like a little T-bone food thing and he came rolling out and he stood up and transformed and was like holy crap there's a new changeable and it's in toy story <laughs> and i was like okay i i need that i i've got a full set of all the other ones i've even got some like weird australian variants of changeables that have like different molds in the faces and stuff like i've got all of them i want that one yeah so uh i had recently in the last few years been trying to get more into 3d printing um i use like a Eleguma mars resin printer and uh, I just started working on designing him in uh, uh, Tinkercad, uh, which is like a basic browser-based uh, CAD program. Um, and I just kind of started working on it and uh, did a couple basic prints and showed them on Twitter. And Angus McLean, who directed that short mm -hmm. and directed the latest Lightyear movie, like he, it was his idea, he made it. Uh, he messaged me on Twitter and I was like, hey, that's really cool. I want to buy one. Oh, okay. And at that point, it kind of turned into like this big, long conversation because he's a complete toy nut. I mean, yeah. it doesn't, I mean, it's not surprising. He's worked on Toy Story he, and he's worked you know, like a Wally all the way back to Toy Story 2, I think. Um, but he was like, you know, I've always got time to talk about toys. So even though he was like in the middle of finishing Lightyear, him and I are like sitting here talking about changeables and, and RoboForce and crap. And uh, so he helped me kind of like fine tune like the sculpt of the face because, you know, the reference was just a couple shots. It wasn't great. But he, he let me know that he was like, you know, we kind of like cheated um, the transformation like we kind of just had stuff clip through stuff like it, it wouldn't physically work mm -hmm. so good luck doing that <laughs> and uh, I made it work and once I finally showed it to him he was like wow you, I mean you engineered and figured out how to make something that we cheated on and you made it a real thing it's really cool so which is like <laughs> to, yeah which uh, to have the creator of that item Right. And Reach a guy out. who like yeah. works with 3D models all the time. And I'm like barely working through Tinkercad knowing how 3D modeling works. And I'm not like, I'm not an engineer. I'm a graphic and web designer. Yeah. And I, I had to try to mechanically figure out how do I make this thing that's got several parts. It's got, you know, it, basically there's more robot there than there is space inside the shape that it comes out of. So I had to figure out how to 
which areas do I cut out of so the hands can fit inside overlapping the legs and then the head kind of goes down to where the arms are so how does that work okay I had to hollow up part of the head so working that all out and then getting the scale right he you know he let me know okay well Buzz Lightyear is generally about 15 inches tall it kind of changes we're not sure so T-bone is like four inches tall once he's transformed um you know working that all out and tolerances you know when when you're move working with 3d printed parts that move against each other and you need enough friction for like a swivel joint to work you know you gotta kind of bump it up a millimeter print it see if it works okay that didn't work make it a little bit bigger okay so all that kind of stuff but that's fun to me just working it out and playing with the parts and you know seeing how easy it is to break and yeah like there's you know there's new 3d printing resins that are slightly flexible and you can kind of mix those with normal resin and make it so it's more like abs plastic so that kind of stuff is really fun to me and to add on to that yeah having the guy who made it and voiced the character go hey that's really cool i want one and help me make it is insane that's incredible yeah like the internet like for all the the shitty things that have come from the internet existing like being able to connect with someone like that that there's no way in the world that I would have been able to talk to otherwise, you know, maybe be able to make, make connections, connections like that with people is really cool. Yeah. I, I and honestly, it's one of the coolest things. I'm glad that you said that like to have, I've had Scott Hensi on here mm-hmm. and it's like to have the guy that like completely designed all the toys that I grew up with right, is insane. And for him to still be, around and for him to make statements like i've mm-hmm. he's been sculpting and designing longer than i've been alive right <laughs> which that's insane to hear out loud but that's just incredible that i could just reach out to him and yeah. he's like yeah let's get on the podcast let's do that yeah instagram and twitter all these things that make it easy to find your weird little niche community are crazy <laughs> yeah my favorite ones are to find the people that like we interrupt this broadcast of toys on top to bring you this Meanwhile, the galaxy of bootleg treasures. DOV2, we have an engine failure. We must crash land on DKE to a planet. Oh my, we're doomed. Wait, salvation. Hooray, we're saved, DOV2. Limited edition custom artist-made action figures and DKE toys. Check out www.dkatoys.com for a full catalog. Ready for custom action figures. DKE. Uh, like uh, Toby Philpot came on, and he was one of the thirteen people that helped operate Jabba the Hut. Wow! And yeah. it, like he does nothing with toys, but it was just mm-hmm. such a fun thing to talk to him. Yeah, I still remember that clip with the they had the the guy in the tail who'd say, "Oh, you just go backward and forward, backward and forward." Like yeah. one guy who just did the tail tip, and then another guy. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, uh, I think what had happened, have you seen, oh, I can't even remember his name now. He, or Desert Octopus, he designs all those. Yeah, 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 yep. He had just come out with the job of the hut that opened up. Yeah, I saw that. That's amazing. Yeah, and my interest was peaked, and I, of course, was like, who are they? I knew exactly what clip that was from, because that's like in the the making of Star Wars documentary. That was like one of the tapes that came with the the three set when you got it, and yeah, they showed all the guys in there. Yeah. And that, yeah. And so I just found the guy. And what's cool is he, 
he was like, oh yeah, I've seen that too, but I don't collect toys. So I just, <laughs> and I was like, oh, come on, man. Hey, if you're being immortalized in plastic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you had said that you, like we passed over it, mm-hmm. um, but you. Yeah, we kind of jumped from past to current there, but. Oh yeah. And we're, and I for sure want to talk more about the steak thing. Sure. Cause there's um, other people I see that are starting to work on like transformer toys as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, there is a, um, the designer for Hasbro that does that stuff. I eventually want to reach out to him and have him on, but the amount of work that goes in just to have something not only like pull out of the body, but then twist in every direction. Right. Yeah. It's not, not, uh, easy. (laughs) So how did you even, cause I I feel like designing on, uh, you said Tinkercad. Mm Mm-hmm. So designing on there, it's still technically like a flat thing. How do you even get to the point where you are designing mechanics? Because that's kind of outside of that, correct? Like you have to figure out how you want it to bend and all those things. Um, I mean, you kind of can do that all in there. Um, I mean, there are there are 3D objects that you can turn around and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, the way it works is you're basically taking simple objects like squares and circles and either combining them or cutting them out of each other. So the entire model is made just on that premise. It's just combining shapes or subtracting shapes from other shapes. Um, But you can move things up and down and kind of go like, okay, does this fit into this place, this spot without um, clipping into it or cutting into it? So you can kind of see, okay, if I close these two halves together, are they close enough to have enough friction touching this other piece? But you don't really know until you print it out and it works. Because um, even once you print it out, it's not exactly the same size that it was on the computer. You know, the resin thickness and yeah. all those kind of things play into it. So you kind of just got to, I mean, I've got like a whole bag full of parts that didn't work <laughs> to get the one that does. Engineering part of like how they work together. Like I, yeah. I also collect a lot of transformers. So I'm kind of familiar with some of the, ways they do things you know they use lots of ball joints they use sliders they use tabs um so that little tracks for moving parts so i'm kind of familiar with some of that stuff so i kind of just implemented things that made sense to me um yeah i don't know if that helps (laughs) yeah did you when designing how those would look um not that long i say not that long ago it's probably like 20 years ago um (laughs) mcdonald's put out those simple transformers in their happy meals that was like what the spider the scorpion the man yeah yeah the beast wars ones yep yeah did you reference those because those are like the most simplistic ones ever yeah not particularly i mean those were mostly just swivel parts yeah yeah I have a couple of those. I, I love those. <laughs> yeah, they're one of my favorite toys. A lot of a lot of those were based on like pre Beast Wars characters. Like the there's like one guy that's like a manta ray that was yeah. actually supposed to be Optimus Prime originally. Oh, um, like Al, uh, Megatron was supposed to be an alligator. Like they had like a whole different cast of characters. Yeah, I and loved... some of those McDonald's ones are the earliest. Yeah, I I love those toys so much. I I don't know I. Every once in a while, I'll see one. I think I have almost all of them, but they're mm-hmm. they're so weird because they are transformers without fully being transformers, if that makes sense. Right, and they're not any particular character from the show either. Yeah, just generic like, things. Right, 
like there's a weird spider but it's not tarantulas and then there's like a weird raptor thing but it doesn't really look like dinobot yeah <laughs> and i want to meet the person which again that could be scott he worked with mcdonald's for so long right yeah but the way that they designed like i i had um my favorite transformer i had was a polar bear growing mm-hmm. up yeah and like the amount of transforming that thing did was insane mm-hmm. And they just looked at the McDonald's toys and figured out the cheapest way to do this is to make this arm look like six different things. And then it moves one way. Mm -hmm. Or they just do the trick where you sculpt the front of it to kind of look like a polar bear arm, but then the back's got robot stuff on it. So they just move the arm up and now it's a robot arm. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which uh, like it passed when I was a kid, but now that I've been Mm -hmm. in toys for a little bit, it's like, I don't know if that would pass anymore. Yeah. So yeah. I the, the the question then too is if you are going through all of this work and you are like uh, trying to get this thing printed and made and it looks like you're really dang close because you have one that's fully painted up. Is it yeah. we're saying like almost done? Yeah, pretty much. It, I mean, I've got one that totally transforms and the tolerances work and stuff. Um, I'm just working out like I want to make a uh, paint mask for the front so it kind of matches how because on the original it had like kind of like overspray on it you know, yeah like it was kind of crappily painted in China and I kind of want to do that so I'm kind of just working out the um, the paint mask at the end and then yeah I'll probably finish one and send one off to Angus and then decide how I'm gonna sell them or make them or whatever because again a lot of these things I don't start off with all right I'm gonna make this product to sell I just kind of go wow, that thing is really cool. I want it. And I start making it before I've even thought about it. Right. <laughs> it just I happens. Like, yeah. Which makes you like, which is cool. Cause that makes you, or it gives you the qualities of like one, the best artist, right? You make things that you love. And then right. when people love it, you're like, oh shit. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I like, I've, I've done commission stuff in the past, but it, it always ends up being like I'm making this thing that I don't know anything about and I have no interest in. Yeah. And like, no, I just realized like, no, I can't, I can't do that. I've got to start. It's, it's selfish, but I got to start with, do I care? Do I give a crap about it? Is it cool? And if other people like it, cool. Uh, and then if like a hundred other people like it, is it something that I can stick with to make that many of, you know? Yeah. Which is like, I don't know. That's it's admirable too that you are willing to do it that way, and people are like falling in love with this piece. And so I think the question I have, you saw this in that um, that toy is it? It's a Toy Story short, right? Mm-hmm. Do you have fears that? Uh, I mean, Angus loves it, which is right. awesome to have on your side. But do you have fears messing with the mouse and printing one of their tools or like creating? One yeah, of their toys? I mean, it popped in my head. I mean, yeah. I think as long as I don't call it T-Bone. <laughs> and again, uh, the fact that the guy who made the short is like yeah. asking and he didn't just say, hey, I want one. Send one to me, because if you don't, I can sue you. Yeah, it was, hey, I want to buy one. So. Eh. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I think if they came after me, he would at least be able to like, well, I asked him to sell me one, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. I so they haven't produced it as well, right? Like that's No, just, no. Right. So that's another thing. There's, he talked to me about a few characters that he'd wished had been made into toys. And there's quite a few, but there's another one that was, uh, I can't remember the name of it now, but it was basically like a big Shogun super uh, robot kind of thing that combined. And 
they were like Bandai was going to make one at one point, but didn't. And you know, the, there was, it was one of those like, you know, I wish someone would make this. And same with T-Bone. It was another one. He's like, I wish someone had made this thing and nobody ever did. I think the only thing they made from that whole short was Disney had like a um, D23, like their expo or something. They made a little version of the, the Buzz Lightyear from that. It was got like, it's like a little super deformed Buzz Lightyear with a big head. That was mm. the only thing that they ever made and sold. And it sells for like $300 now weird so i i don't think it's ever going to happen yeah there i mean in general i've dealt with some occasionally with that with like prop replica stuff um that's probably a different part of the conversation but uh i generally don't really worry you know i'm not making thousands of these things you know i'm not mass producing them in china um you know it's craft at this point you know and i'm only making 10 20 30 40 so yeah, I don't think I'm even on the radar. And if I am because Angus gets it and shares it, then I can blame it on him. <laughs> <laughs> um, what What's cool, I don't know if you've seen it. You said Shogun and it made me start thinking about mm-hmm. the Toy Story. Bandai made it in partnership with Toy Story and they uh, did, man, it was like they made two of them, two separate ones. One was Slinky Buzz, or no, Slinky Woody man bullseye rex and something else and ham i think and the other was uh, a spaceship buzz and aliens and something else and they each transform like voltron yeah, it was style. like a big combiner thing yeah and then they both combine it's like the <laughs> coolest thing ever but you can't touch it for under 280 bucks right. or 250 bucks and i always i think those originally started off as like weird chinese bootlegs like some of those thomas the tank engine yeah transformers you know like i think there was like a bootleg Toy Story Transformer and then Bandai went and actually made an, a real one. Yeah, those are weird. <laughs> yeah, I've wanted, it, I think I'm always interested in those types of toys. Like there is yeah. um, Tyler Ham. Uh, he, you know, what? Ham FX. He's a toy maker and sculptor for um, Mego and all kinds of mm-hmm. stuff. And uh, he, sent me a message one day we were talking about this watch that we found it's a frozen watch that transforms yeah i think i've seen that yeah there's lots and of those chinese knockoff watches yeah such a crazy concept but i love yeah. that they're trying to mix like any amount of these ips because right. they just don't care yeah you just slap a different sticker on it i know a lot of those were bootlegs of uh when the first transformers movie came out there was a, a subline called, uh, I think it was Real Tech or something like that, mm-hmm. where they made they actually made things that transformed into things again, which I hadn't done for a long time. There was like a little MP3 player, there was little speakers, there was a, a little video game thing, there was a watch, and it, that was like the end of the line. They didn't make a lot of them, but then those got bootlegged like crazy, and a lot of those are, are just bootlegs of those things now. Yeah, I real, love that. Real gear. I think real cool. gear? Some, yeah, some of them were really cool. There's one that was like a camcorder, like it was very dated. One was like a flip phone. <laughs> Is it, are they hard to find? No, they should be. I think they're fairly cheap, yeah. I need to get it on. It was the, oh. like the first wave of the 2007 Transformers movie. I just looked them up and they look <laughs> so incredible. Yeah, there's there's a, quite a few of them. I remember when they came out, and uh, I think the the flip phone was probably one of the coolest ones. He's got like little clamp hands, I think. Yeah, yeah, man, the digital <laughs> camera is so good. Yeah, it's but those so have been boot, those have been bootlegged up and down the hill. <laughs> yeah, 
Wow. 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 Um, you, we had passed over it cause we jumped into that toy cause mm-hmm. I wanted to talk so much. Um, but you, did you say you did prop design? Well, so, I mean, I guess going back to like, how did I get into making this kind of stuff? Yeah. Um, yeah. So like I said, I had always kind of collected star Wars toys. Um, so the first thing that I probably, the first time I probably took an action figure and, and did stuff to it, um, was I, it's probably like 13 or 14. So this is probably like 96. Um, I took a Rancor Keeper, you know, the fat guy. Yeah. And it was the Power of the Force 2 version. I st- I did have some vintage Kenner toys, but I didn't want to mess with them. Um, and I took him and I put Sculpey over his bare chest and kind of made like a baggy shirt and made the Cantina bartender out of him. Sculpted some hair on him because he was basically like a bald, shirtless, fat guy with baggy pants. It was like half the figure is already there to be this bartender guy. But I didn't really know much about like Sculpey. So I kind of just like sculpted it on there and then left it. It didn't bake it or anything because it was like, well, it'll melt. So I just kind of left it there and it eventually like hardened and kind of crumbled off. But that was the first thing I did. And then uh, when episode one came out, um, I used to go to this, there was a convention in Madison called FilmCon that was run by a guy who uh, lived in the area and worked for Lucasfilm on a lot of their licensing stuff, like the Doritos that made these little lenticular things that were in the bags. He worked on those. Yeah. Um, my dad was a printer in, uh, in Madison. And one of the things they printed was like this lenticular thing with Darth Maul on it. So I had a, some of that kind of stuff was around me, but um, so he ran this convention and it was like 98. So it was like right before episode one came out and he, there was a panel where they were like sharing a bunch of the leaks, like, Oh, it was going to be in this movie. And one of the, the leaks was that C3PO was going to be see-through that you could oh. like see his wires and stuff. So I interpreted that as like, he, well, you just think, okay, so C3PO has always been this plated gold robot. Yeah. So my first thought was, okay, so that means like his plates are clear and you can see the wires inside of him. So my dad and I, so again, he, he was kind of crafty and so was I. So we took a Power of the Force to C-3PO and we made a mold out of caulk, <laughs> like like the kind of caulk you put like around a window. Yeah. So we took that and like poured it over the thing and it basically turns into kind of like a hardened rubber. Like there is a, a method now that people use where you mix it with like baking soda or something and you can actually make a decent silicone with it if you're on the cheap. Wow. But we, we took that and we made a, kind of a two-part mold with it and then we got some cast and craft clear resin which is like the smelliest cheapest basic shit you can get yeah it's meant for like making like little baby hand kind of things and or or um sealing things in to make like paperweights so again this was like 98 um so we poured some of that into each half and took like little pieces from like circuit boards and stuff like yeah like little transistors and stuff and we just kind of pushed them into the the clear resin and then I took the two halves and slapped them together and kind of glued them together. And I had a clear C-3PO, but you could see his wires inside of it. And I was like, cool, I got an episode one C-3PO like a year before the movie comes out. <laughs> and then, you know, the movie came out. And I was like, oh, he just doesn't have the panels and you can see his wires. Okay. But, you know, that was still, I had this one-off thing that was my own and we made it and it was a cool idea and i eventually just a few months ago revisited that idea and tried to make it again which was fun yeah 
that um, making toys since teenage years yeah which is yeah. crazy and just finding <laughs> like the the easiest or the best way at the time to make some mm-hmm. kind of a mold which yeah. i love that so much yeah. i mean my dad made crazy stuff i mean he made me like a a, a loop lightsaber out of a steel pipe um you know i mean wow. when i was a little kid he made me a rocketeer costume out of pizza boxes yeah like we, we were both very crafty at me and making stuff like that so it kind of just led into one thing after another um, i feel like but, that comes from not having because you, you've talked about not having money as a kid right so becoming yeah, being crafty and yeah that it just if you're not crafty you're not playing with stuff yeah because i mean i was always making my own halloween costumes after my dad wasn't making them for me yeah um like i'd made my own boba fett costume out of cardboard i made probably five or six different Darth Vader's over the course of middle school and high school. Like it was always a star Wars costume at a certain point. Yeah. Um, and you know, that back then there wasn't like, there was Don post stuff and that was it. There was Don post Darth Vader helmet, Boba Fett helmet, and you got to make the rest. Like there wasn't a lot out there. You know, you you think about now and there's cosplay and everything's on eBay and you can the Hasbro's making full costume stuff. Like back then there was barely anything. You had to make it yourself. And there wasn't a lot of good reference either. I mean, the internet was fairly new. There was a few collectors websites and a few prop sites. Um, I joined the replica prop forum in 2002. Um, that's basically where a lot of this starts because that's it, it's a huge community of people that are just fans of movie and want to make things. Uh, there's lots of people who actually are working in movies making things like Adam Savage is on there. A lot of people are on there. So there's tons and tons of information. And um, so once I got in, so that was 99. So once I kind of started getting into high school, past high school and into college, um, I was living with my dad and I didn't really want to get a normal job. So I was going to college. I tried working at Walgreens that lasted three days. I'm just not a people person. <laughs> I just, I, to me, customer service is just the art of bullshit. Like yeah. pretending you're happy to people you don't know or people that are being jerks to you and you still got to be nice to them. It just, I, I can't fake happy. Like, yeah, I just can't fake it. I would just say what comes to my mind to people. So I realized pretty quick, I can't do customer service. And I, I just, I, there was too many things I wanted to make, you know, there's movies coming out that were exciting me. Hellboy had just come out a lot of stuff. And so I, it was around the same time that eBay was becoming a much more attainable, regular kind of thing. A lot of people are using it. So basically my dad and I, just like we were earlier, just started making props and stuff and selling them on eBay. And that's what I did through college. I didn't have a normal job all the way through college. Which so we is were... <laughs> so lucrative if done correctly, right? Like, Yeah. I mean, it was basically scraping by every month. Okay. But it, I mean, we were making stuff that didn't exist and it was fun. And yeah. we didn't know what we were doing a lot of the time. But that was kind of when we f- I first got into making real molds and using real resin and doing stuff the real way. Um, I, you know, I started watching all the, the DVD extras on Lord of the Rings expanded editions and how wet I was making stuff and like just researching as much as I could do, you know, making stuff uh, on the prop forum and asking other people how they do it. And you know, a, lot, a lot of that kind of stuff is, you know, like 
shared knowledge, but there's a lot of it where it's like, well, we're gonna, we can't tell you exactly how to do it because it's proprietary or people, some people just don't want to share their secrets or their tr tricks of the trade kind of thing. But eventually you work it out or you come up with your own tricks. Um, one of the first props that I made and like actually sold a few of was uh, Sauron's severed finger from Fellowship of the Ring. Um, okay. It was a fairly easy mold and it was yeah. just a, a weird kind of thing. And I was like, that's cool. I want it. It was a prop. They made it. And there was like this big light up ring that was out at the time and it uh -huh. was the perfect size. So I could use that. And then like a few years later, a few years later, uh, master replicas made an official one that they sold for like $800. So oh. I feel like I kind of maybe gave them an idea, but yeah. cause there was no one else making that. But um, so yeah, making that kind of stuff, doing um, anime conventions and costume conventions around 2000, two, three, four, five. I was doing that a lot. Um, so making parts of costumes and then doing all kinds of different stuff, trying to vacuum form. We're literally doing vacuum forming like in the oven in yeah, our apartment geez. and uh, using a real vacuum, trying to make like armor parts and stuff. And uh, we were doing a lot of stuff in a, in a little space that we probably shouldn't have been doing. Like it wasn't ventilated. <laughs> like, yeah. It was a shitty little thing, but it, it was, you know, a necessity. You do what you got to do with what you have. And so, I wish people, like, as a pause real quick, the internet's not that good at this time, so you're kind of just finding whatever you can. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. materials sometimes are harder to come by. Right. And so you're doing this in the beginning and doing rad stuff. So, like, that's incredible that all this is coming from this. Yeah, trying to. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, like using stuff like Sintra to make armor. Uh, yeah, that, that's like a, it's like a formable plastic they use for signs. Like I found a sign shop near me that just had Sintra. And I was like, can I just buy a bunch of this? I'm not making signs, but can you? Would you sell it to me? And I'm like, okay, sure. You know, using stuff like that because uh, like Ava foam wasn't even really a thing then, mm -hmm. uh, or if it was, it was kind of a, you know, it wasn't easily attainable. Um, even buying silicone and stuff was kind of hard then because again those were mostly used by industries yeah um and they didn't have website stores and stuff like that so a lot of the times i was used we were using um fiberglass resin from walmart that you use for your car <laughs> for oh my, repairing your car yeah. yeah so we were mixing fiberglass resin with bondo Holy which made shit. it more which made it because basically fiberglass resin just on its own is very brittle uh -huh. it's it's a polyurethane so it doesn't have any flex basically you drop it it shatters yeah. but if you mix bondo with it it makes it it makes it first it makes it opaque you can't see through it anymore but it, it makes it a little more stronger and you can kind of bend it so we were do, using that mixture to make like helmets and masks and things i made some power ranger helmets i made some cronin masks from hellboy um cronin armor uh geez, all so crazy lots of little stuff but yeah we were basically like okay what can we attain what can we get well walmart's got fiberglass resin and bondo we yeah. do that you know so Both yeah so it, toxic yes <laughs> and, <laughs> like, and and it gets really friggin' hot really yeah. fast when that stuff cures it's really hot and it stinks and yeah like I pity the person that thought they would put on one of those replicas after they ordered it from you. Yeah. Like you just are <laughs> going to suffocate. That's so yeah. gross. Yeah. I mean, we you'd try to line it with foam and stuff, but yeah, 
but it also worked for casting little things like I made lots of uh, little Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, Aztec gold coins. Um, oh, awesome. When those weren't when those were a new thing and everybody wanted one you know a lot of it was kind of just like what's coming out and what am i excited about what do i want and then yeah. see if other people want it and see what takes off which, which is, is kind of still what i'm doing but yeah <laughs> <laughs> what's cool about that is um that is like the beginning it's like meme culture before it existed. You're just mm-hmm. witnessing like pop culture having these influxes of like, oh, I guess this is now popular. Let's right. Get my yeah. ass in gear. Yeah. And I'd occasionally jump on stuff that didn't end up being popular, like uh, the first Fantastic Four movie. Yeah. Um, I really liked the Doctor Doom helmet in that. So I sculpted one and made one because <laughs> I yeah. wanted it. And you know, I eventually sold the mold off to another guy who did want, who did like it. He ended up using it for like uh, paintball masks or something. But weird. But you know, it was just I want it. I don't care if other people do or not. I'm gonna make it and then see. Yeah. <laughs> that was through college, um, and I eventually moved out on my own. And so around. 2011 i mean i guess i'm telling you my whole life story here tell me if i'm no no i love it this is your episode this is perfect all right so around 2011 2010 um it's kind of when like designer vinyl toys are getting really again i don't know if mainstream or just more i was i was aware of them Mm -hmm. you know 2009 you know i started getting into glios toys um, on l designs um which started around 2007 i think um and i started getting aware of those and those were kind of designer toy only sold online kind of obscure little things and then stuff like um you know hasbro started doing mighty mugs and uh, i don't even think pop vinyls were a thing then yet but there was other vinyl toys that i was aware of you know ashley wood 3a world war robot kind of stuff yeah um that stuff was like really interesting to me and i was like oh there's this whole like community of people that aren't like big companies like there is the big companies jumping in on it like Hasbro, but there's other people like O'Neill Design and some of these other individual artists that are making this weird shit that you're not going to find a target. And it's, they're really cool looking and people are selling them and, and holy shit, some of them are selling them for crazy amounts of money too. And I was kind of like, well, I, you know, I mean, I'd never stopped doing the prop stuff, but I also never stopped collecting toys. I was way more into Transformers at this point, but I still had kind of a, like, I've kind of been always all over the place. You know, I'm into Star Wars and Transformers and yeah, just robots and Micronauts and old stuff. And so I've kind of always had that stuff always all around me. So the, the influence and the um, inspiration has kind of always been around there. But, you know, I was kind of like, all right, I, I did a few customs where I took like, a, you know, some kind of vinyl like Domo figure or something and painted it like an Ashley Wood figure and gave it a Gatling gun and made it a World War robot kind of thing and sold that. Did a couple little one off things like that or uh, made add on parts for some Transformers, um, which now is like a huge, big industry that China does where there's just companies that make add on parts for things that Hasbro makes that they don't make well enough. So some third party company comes out and makes a add on parts that make it better. I did a couple things like that out of resin back in 2009. Um, there was like a human Alliance bumblebee. It had uh, these arm panels that had like a little chair for a little tiny Sam figure to fit on, which was like, well, that's not how he looks. So I made it 
so I made an actual like arm panel that you could replace that chair with. It was the way it was supposed to look. I did small runs of that. Yeah. And then I was like, all right, I want to try to do some real resin casting of some kind of designer toy thing and see what happens. So I started very small. So I bought a uh, paint pot because I knew bubbles had always been a problem when I made props like fight fighting bubbles and air in molds is like the number one thing you have to deal with um but i knew that if you had a pressure pot it would minimize that and again this was another thing where it's like there wasn't just youtube tutorials on how to do this uh, you had to kind of dig around or find people using it for different methods but again i went back to the rpf where lots of people had already been doing this stuff for years in hollywood and, and other people doing it for other reasons and I eventually figured out most people used a Harbor Freight paint pot and they modified it with different parts. And so in 2011, I bought one of those and I worked it all up. And the only workshop I had at the time was a tiny little storage room outside that was probably like five feet by five feet. Nice. <laughs> it was a tiny little room, mostly filled with boxes, but I could go in there close the door and run an air compressor and the neighbors wouldn't complain about it because yeah. it was mostly outside. Cause that was always my thing. I'm like, I, I've never really lived in a house where I've had the ability to just make noise and do those things and not get in trouble. I'm always having to find a place to do. I mean, again, like my dad and I pouring fiberglass inside a kitchen in a tiny apartment. Um, so I started small where I took a, Again, just going back to nostalgia, a little Sogmaster figure from Captain Crunch. Mm -hmm. It was just a cool little robot thing. And I was like, okay, this is fairly simple and small. I, I just make a mold of this. And I so I first took an original figure and I kind of modified it with a couple little parts. I gave him like a head spike. I made his fin a little taller. I gave him like a shockwave cyclops eye. And I just made a mold of that and I poured up a few in different colors i tried messing with glitter and other things and uh, i made little bags that had like a little card in the back that looked like captain crunch so it kind of looked like it was like sitting in a cereal box i was like okay i'm just making like a little cereal box premium kind of thing and i i don't remember what kind of store i had at the time or if i just put them on ebay or whatever um i had met pixel dan who does toy reviews a couple times at um, c2e2 so i sent him one just to play with and he did ended up doing a little review of it i mean again it's like just a little slug figure it doesn't do anything it's like two inches of just plastic but i made little decals and put different decals on it and so that was kind of the first like i'm gonna make a toy and see if other people want it and sell it and it pretty much worked. I think I sold them for like five bucks or each or something. I didn't go to conventions or anything, but um, so then going forward a couple of years, um, I was still really into Glios and stuff. And um, the God Beast, Marty Hansen, who uh, had been working on the Armorvore for the Glios line, mm -hmm. um, he used to live closer to me. He was in uh, Iowa and he was coming up for a soccer game for his kid or something. And he was going to be like just a few blocks from me. So I was like, hey, we, we could hang out because I we talked to him online. I think I'd seen him at C2E2 a couple of times. So, um, you know, I, I got a lot of knowledge from him because he'd been doing resin casting, making his bootleg um, uh, battle beasts for quite a few years. And 
you know, he gave me a couple little secrets of stuff like using a, uh, a little brass pipe. Like if you find that you've got a spot in your mold where there's just bubbles stuck and you don't have a vent in there and you need a vent, just take a little hollow brass pipe and push it through the silicone and make a vent. It basically cuts out a perfect little tube. Oh my gosh. Just say <laughs> that again for the people in the back. Holy crap. <laughs> so yeah, just going, I think it was Hobby Lobby sells these little sets of different thicknesses of brass tubes. So there's little thick ones, there's thicker ones, and just oh, kind of just take it and stick it in your mold where you know that you're getting uh, bubbles and push it all the way through to the top and make a vent for yourself. And you can just add those in whenever you need them. And unreal because generally you got to think about that before you make the mold, you know? Yeah. But again, he'd been doing this stuff for years. So that was just a little trick he had and it helped me a lot. So he, he got me, you know, thinking, cause I mean, mold making and casting is thinking upside down and backwards. Mm -hmm. It's not an easy thing to do. And every single time is different because it's a different shape. Yeah. So, you know, being able to fix that after the fact was amazing. Um, so he kind of helped me. I, I wanted to make something that was glyos compatible. Um, I, I was just, I really liked that using those pegs and it was, uh, you know, it was already kind of a, a, de, a designer, um, individual artist kind of thing. And there were other creators like Knee Stuff and God Beast and um, Boglin Creations that were making resin pieces that worked with them mm -hmm. so i talked to matt dowdy over email a few times he's the, the guy who basically came up with glios and onel design and um you know kind of went back and forth on ideas and i i basically i wanted something that kind of was looked like it was like an artist designer format kind of thing like something that had open areas that you could paint on or draw on or whatever make different uh designs on and i I kind of just went back to what do I like? I like robots and aliens and monsters and sci-fi. So I made basically a little UFO that had a brain on top of it with a rocketeer fin sticking out of the brain. I and, and I called them goboids. I just, <laughs> just wanted something that just sounded ridiculous in yeah. the 50s, you know. And I did a very small run of those. I started realizing that the little glyos pegs don't really work when they're resin because they, they're thin and they snap off easily. So I kind of had to work it around and they eventually came out with a glyos pin piece that was basically just the pin and made out of PVC. And you could, I, I was like, okay, I, I can just make my resin part, have the two female parts and use the pin. Then I don't kind of worry about things breaking. Um, so I did a few of those from like 2012, 2013, 14. Um, uh, I made like a clear one for Halloween that had like a spider in the brain. Um, so there's probably only 10 or 20 of those things out there. I, I see people who have them occasionally, they pop up, but um, I just, I had, there was a lot of a learning curve with making a bigger, because I basically went from a tiny little thing to a big chunky resin thing. Like this thing was like the size of like a hamburger. Yeah. It was big. So I, I kind of get bit off more than I could chew there, but um then I kind of got back into the prop stuff. I made some Energems from Power Rangers because the actor who played one of the Rangers wanted some for a convention. And I started talking to him over Twitter. So I did some of those and those took off. Like right now, I think still, if you type in Plastic Geek on Google, the first autofill is Plastic Geek Energems. Um, That's no small 
either. Holy moly. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty cool. I, I He ended up sending me his, uh, it was Brennan Mejia. He ended up sending me, he played the Red Ranger on Dino Charge. He sent me his original prop necklace that it, they let him keep. Uh, like I made a mold of it, sent it back, uh, made screencast ones. I made so many of those things. They were very popular because they came in, it was basically a little clear plastic looking gem that had like meteorite ends that were like metal and they were in 12 different colors one of them there was like all the colors of the rainbow and then there was like one that had like metal flakes in it like it was just it was a good experiment with making different effects with resin um so i ended up learning a lot about additives and stuff then like different things you put into resin to make it look different you know uh, you used like cat litter to make it look kind of grainy or like uh quartz or something just dirt um using metal flakes uh like uh, gold leaf flakes to make stuff look like amber um doing swirls in the resin with pearl x powder just lots of little weird little tricks like that so i did those for a few years and again this is all kind of on the side i've got a normal job i'm working nine to five i'm web design graphic design doing that all the time but i can't and that is creative work but it was I, I still always wanted to do the other stuff it was I just kind of couldn't stop myself even when I didn't need the money like sometimes I did need the money but sometimes I just I wanted to make this thing and it was a good distraction um that I, is always so crazy you know <laughs> I've done so many of these interviews and mm-hmm. I like I I have a full-time job myself and make toys mm-hmm. but to hear someone say like and list out all the things that they've done and then say, oh, this was also while I was working. It's like, <laughs> right. you are just a glutton for punishment, aren't you? Yeah. I mean, again, with college, I wasn't working, I was, but I was going to school. Yeah. But, but after that, yeah, it was all kind of, but it, again, it's like a thing that just like, before I even know what's happening, I'm halfway through it. Like it just, yeah happens like your brain just starts going and you start building things you start sculpting something you and then you're like oh i guess i'm doing that now like it just happens i don't know what it is i don't know this, the creative bug hits you and you can't not do it so that's the thing i even if i wanted to stop making stuff i don't think i could it just i, I have to get it out i don't know what it is <laughs> are you so for me one of the things that like my wife can tell people can tell around me if I haven't mm-hmm. created or been busy creating or had a creative moment in that mm-hmm. day, or maybe even the past couple, like three days, mm-hmm. people can tell just like my <laughs> whole demeanor has changed. Yeah. I mean, I guess maybe I get slightly depressed. I don't know what it is. It's not yeah. probably not like an agitation thing. It's more of a, I just feel lazy or like, I, yeah, I'm not accomplishing anything. Even if I did, fine at work uh, you know there's something there it just has to happen I, I mean i guess there's probably some ocd in there i mean yeah. you gotta have some ocd to be as picky as you gotta be to make some of this stuff i mean again going back to when i was drawing and stuff like i was mostly just copying stuff i'm not great at drawing or coming up with something out of nothing i'm really good at copying if i can see it I can make another thing that looks just like it. I can see details. I can be OCD about, well, no, this little line touches this one is over there. Like I can, I can replicate stuff really good, but illustrating something from scratch, like, like when I was 
trying to you know draw spider-man stuff like if i was just asked like here draw spider-man it's a lot harder when i'm not looking at something absolutely so but i've kind of always just gone from that to this now where i'm just i'm still just copying stuff really i'm making versions of things that i can see but i'm really good at doing a one-one copy and sometimes it's not always great um the one of the most recent props i made was the uh, aztec death whistle from um ghostbusters afterlife oh my gosh so that was a prop that adam savage from mythbusters he made those original props for ghostbusters afterlife Mm -hmm. he put out a video uh basically showing his whole process he's like okay here's what the sculpt looked like here's the mold layout and you know he showed with his assistant how he was pouring the molds and making castings and his whole entire paint paint process i was like cool i can just follow that and make one for myself. I really want one. I liked that movie. I was excited for it. Um, so I I just did that. I sculpted one. I made one. Adam happened to be a member on the RPF. And that's a really great backdoor to some of these people that are otherwise unaccessible. So I kind of just messaged him. And when, well, first he actually commented on my thread when I was sharing it, saying it looked good. I was like, oh, okay. I guess it looks good if he says so. Um, then I asked him, you know, when I got it finished, I was like, hey, do you want one of these? And I didn't expect to get a response. You know, he probably gets a thousand direct messages in a day or something. But, uh, you know, it's, it is more of a niche community, so maybe not. And he, he replied and I was like, yeah, cool, send me one. Here you go. So I sent it to him just assuming that would be the end of it. You know, he, he's got a lot of stuff he buys from the RPF. He gets lots of prop runs for things, Blade Runner, Blasters, Star Wars, props, whatever. But then he did a live stream where he actually showed it. And I was like, holy fuck. Yeah. It was so it was a tested video. Um, and he pulled out his original one and showed it next to his. And I was off by like 20% on the size. So wow. that's one of the things where he's like, you know, all these details are perfect. It's just too small. But that's but he said, like, when I'm doing my first pass at a prop, I'm always this much off. Cause size reference is one of the hardest things to come across because everyone's hands are different sizes. So you can't just go off of a picture of someone holding one, you know, unless you've got it next to a ruler or something else that you have, it's really hard to get exact size. Right. But he was like, you know, Jason, this, you know, you did all these details really great. And, and then he stopped and he was like, you know, this is the first time that I've received a replica of a prop that I originally made for a movie. And that is a thrilling feeling. And I was just like, holy shit. Like I made Adam Savage impressed by that. <laughs> what I'm so, hearing is you and Adam Savage are basically the same person. Uh, he's a, he's a genius engineer. I'm yeah. close to that. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I also sent him one of my spirit Egon figures and he was like looking and trying to figure out, cause I had like a gradient on it and he was like trying to figure out, did I airbrush that? What I do? Like, it was just crazy to see him holding these things that I made and showing them off. And yeah, I don't know if I went completely off track now where I was, but yeah. So I making those things, um, how did I get into the action figures though? That's a different. Yeah. I mean, you, <laughs> like uh, it's crazy. Cause starting out in something like prop design gives right. you a leg up. I think right. in, like understanding how well t- you like, or how certain things have to be to produce toys in certain ways, right. like your first start and you are already thinking about, I need a paint pot. I need, 
yeah. different ways to and I, I was already doing molds at that point you know yeah so you had like you had already done the hard work or the harder parts of making the toy right and, and again i had the help with god beast and matt dowdy and stuff but yeah i had a foundation is, yeah which is so crazy that you were already doing that and then creating uh like using your past moments of prop creating and then creating things and getting it to adam savage mm-hmm. and him saying like oh yeah the same mistakes you made i i make those things as well right which for a master engineer to say something like that is right. <laughs> a little too much for my brain to understand like yeah you tell me i'm this close to being you <clears throat> yeah <laughs> which is so crazy it's pretty crazy yeah and, and he, he and he said he's going to show it again at some point. Like he's he wants to make because he's getting the originals back from production that he sent off. And he said, yeah. when I get those back, I'll show a, a proper comparison. So it's like, oh, there's more than this. OK, which is awesome just <laughs> to have someone saying like, oh, this is from right. Plastic Geeks. This well, is- just to know that something I made is in his workshop is insane. Yeah. And doesn't it give you some uh, like I. <clears throat> I wanted to ask other artists, but you're probably, you're a good person to ask. Knowing that something you have is in someone else's workshop that you value. Yeah. Like I have something in uh, Mike Quinn's home. Uh, yeah. He was Nian Noom or however you pronounce Nine it. Num, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I made a toy of him. There's a famous picture of him with the mask taken off and he's holding it. Mm-hmm. And I made that into a toy, sent it to him. And it's like, there's some kind of pride that develops in you when you're yeah. like, oh, this is in their house. Well, because it's go, it's like it's going home. Yeah. Where the ins- <laughs> yeah. Well, it's the ins- where the inspiration came from in the first place. Yeah. Like going I home. started with the Aztec Death Whistle because it was a thing he made. And now he has the thing I made of his thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Which, it's back yeah. where it started. Wow, going and home. with that actor, with that, that actor, it's back where it was. Where he he was the character. He played the character that inspired you to make the thing. You made the thing. It's now back with him. It's the full circle. That might be a note that goes in all my toys now. Like, oh, thanks <laughs> for sending this home. Yeah. <laughs> Holy moly, I love that. So now you're producing toys. You're. I saw there's images of you or videos of you like going places and selling other toys, like retro toys as well. Yeah, that was just kind of, I think that was just kind of a one-off thing just because I had too much shit and I needed okay. to pur- I needed to purge. But yeah, there were there happened to be a, a toy swap at uh Meep Meepletons, which used to be Far Toys in uh, yeah. Madison. And yeah, me and my friend Chris, we just kind of piled up enough of our extra stuff and took it there and did an in-person sale. But yeah, that was the first time that I'd ever sold any of my resin stuff in person. And so here's the um, question with like things like prop design in your past and uh resin making in your past from all the way from when you're a teen and like working with stuff to where it's close enough so that like other makers are like wow this is within this much and defeating the the like the terrible cloud of resistance over like making a transformer and beating the engineering and still making it and doing all that what's next for plastic geek uh well i've been working with uh sculptor tom hensley a lot on instagram him and i have been doing a lot of the um the maba style stuff that was inspired by you know deadly delivery and the maba zombie toys yeah i've done a lot of those um over the past few years 
and I'm, we're going to be doing more. Um, Tom is insane. He he can't stop sculpting. He's just like me. I can't stop making stuff. So there's always going to be some new obscure horror monster kind of thing that we're going to work on. Um, I think we're working on an Astro Zombie right now from a terrible movie from the 60s. Um, I want to do more Critters stuff because I've always loved that movie. Um, on the action figure side, there's the Cybonauts that I've been making, which are kind of just a mix of different figures that I really like, counterparts, uh, stuff inspired by Micronauts and Hinge and Cyborg. I want to eventually get to where I make a fully unique figure. Um, right now I've had torsos that I've made with a like a double cast uh, piece inside of it. Um, I was inspired years ago by a guy named Scott Wilkowski who did like castings where you'd make a, a little skeleton and then double cast it inside of like a pikachu or something mm. you'd see the skeleton through the resin piece and i, I, I experimented with that on a critter once i did one with a, with a skeleton but i i took that over to the cybernauts where i designed like a little mechanical inner engine kind of torso thing and cast it inside of a, a adventure people torso and i've used that on a few of my cybernauts figures but i want to go beyond just making that piece and make an entire 3D designed and probably 3D printed figure and make something that is completely unique but inspired by all those other parts. Right now I'm using a mixture of 3D printed and custom parts with bootleg parts, Kenner parts, um, stuff like that. So going more towards making my own unique, fully unique thing, even though it may not look unique, it will still probably look like something from Star Wars or Power Rangers or Micronauts, but something that I sculpted from nothing, basically. Yeah, which is like, I love the, I love when people create original characters. I love when yeah. people start taking on the venture of sculpting from scratch. Yeah. That's I'm getting, sense. I'm getting there piece by piece, I feel like. So yeah, it's not just a sit down and design a character kind of thing. I've tried to do that and it just, doesn't work for me so i just kind of got to go piece by piece and then which is kind of how i made most of my cybernauts figures anyway i, I take pieces that i like and are, are obscure or not used a lot and try to mix them together and make something cool yeah like one of the coolest figures that i think i made was the ancient emissary which was one of the first ones i made where i used a he head from a staroid raider which is already a weird bootleg star wars figure uh, the body from a Daplo Doctor Who Cyberman and the arms and legs from a Kenner Swamp Thing guy. I can't remember his name. And put those all together and it just came out like this weird priest looking alien thing. And <laughs> it was just really weird. And I just, you know, I hadn't planned it from the beginning at all, but I was just like, that's a cool part. And that's a cool part. And I put them together and it was like, okay, that's all the cool thing. It works. So it's kind of just how making a new thing is going to work. I think is just kind of making cool individual pieces to slowly start customizing these. And then eventually all those cool pieces hopefully will fit together into one cool figure. Which is, I, I can't wait to see that, you know, I, was ta I talked to barbarian rage at one point yeah. Uh, and he had said, uh, people always come and they'll say like, oh, I want to develop uh, a comic book and like nine characters or whatever. And he was like, how about just try to develop one and you'll yeah. see how much you hate <laughs> the process. Right. Yeah. Uh, 
it's yeah it's just so crazy to think like i i have been working on one and trying to develop like what it's going to do who it's going to be backstories and stuff and it is challenging it's just been like months of me yeah. going back and forth that's one thing i'm not great at is coming up with with fiction around these characters or these things i've made i don't know if you noticed but a lot of mine you know the cards are fairly simple like the cybernauts i think i just have the tagline uh powerful beings from unknown space that's the story <laughs> you know make it mean whatever you want it to mean who is this character i don't know you you make him yours i kind of i'm not a writer i'm not good at coming up with that kind of stuff with unique names even so i kind of just leave it up to the buyer to decide who that is which is kind of i guess this is another good segue it goes back to me getting those weird toys that i got when i was a kid and i didn't know what the fuck they were like an aerator what's that you know so yeah put it putting more toys out there that don't have stories behind them so people can maybe get that same kind of feeling and just make up their own stories for it. I, I love that I, I like so much like to take the time <laughs> and effort to do that it makes my heart happy and it makes me like wait with anticipation that something good's coming yeah uh as we uh the same thing with all my episodes i love doing this part as we come to the end of like this time that's all about you please plug everything that is plastic geek everywhere we can find you toys you got coming up drops maybe anything other podcasts all those things please drop all of it all right so um instagram at the plastic geek uh twitter the plastic geek i think uh patreon slash plastic geek uh plasticgeek.com is my store and you can also see like some of the previous stuff i've made or contact me through there um but pretty much mostly instagram at the plastic geek that's where i post sales that's where i show my progress and stuff um the patreon is fairly new but there is a lot of stuff on there there's downloads for cybernet accessories there's uh diy videos and how i'm make some molds how i pour stuff um i've shown a few projects on there that i haven't shown a lot on instagram like uh, some motu style bootlegs i've started making um so yeah i think that's pretty much everything it has been so good to talk to you i've been waiting to get you on the podcast for a while good. Um, thank you and i it's just been yeah so good because I, I there's useful information there <laughs> yeah <laughs> well i i just remember seeing that that uh t-bone figure and i was like at some point yeah he has to be on it, even if it's for five minutes to talk about this figure <laughs> and but, then you got a lot more than you, you bargained for oh no i was hoping <laughs> for it thank you so much yeah. uh for coming on towards on tap uh it's been a blast thank you for inviting me Toys on tap. Toys on tap. The next episode. The next episode. It's great. It's amazing. You're gonna want to listen to it. It's not right now though. You're gonna have to wait till the next episode to listen to it. Oh, when's that? The next one. Cool. Toys on tap. Toys on tap. The next one's gonna be good too. So stay tuned and, and, and listen to that. Toys on tap. Awesome.